0: Coming up on episode 72, D.L. goes nerd dear That's next. Welcome to Verse Chorus Verse. I'm D.L. Up on it is me. It's myself and I. That's I it. Like... No one else. How are you? Are you doing well? I hope you are. It's been a long week. It's been a tough week. The week I'm recording this has been a little intense, but we're going to get through it. We always do. I am by myself tonight, as I am with these episodes. I had fun doing the last one, and the last one got uh, really good feedback, so I'm okay with it gone back to the drawing board worked on it a little bit what is this episode you ask well if you didn't hear the first one in season two this is the gist essentially i at some point in time because i am one of those super super annoying people just terribly annoying people that decides that they want to know who everybody's favorite band is that's such a hated question within musical fandom, but I do, I want to know, I want to know who people's favorite bands are, I want to know who my own favorite band is, and I thought I knew for so long, and then I started being confused as to, "Mm, I don't know, maybe it's this band, maybe, maybe it's somebody, maybe somebody's taking the reins, you know, there's always been a part of me that thought, you know, there's probably an equation somewhere that helps you to figure it out, take something, completely passionate like music and just turn it into absolute mathematical data and science. Just take all of the heart out of it. That's what I'm doing. And I love it. Absolutely love it. This is the second version. For those of you that listen to the first one and you're still back, you must have fairly similar minds as mine. And I appreciate that. Done a little bit of altering to the equation, but that's what we're doing. This is my great search. Why do I call it the great search? I call it the great search because it is the great search for my favorite band of all time and the best band of all time. That is what we're going to do tonight. We'll get to that. I got some other stuff I can talk about first. Typically on these episodes, I'm also going to do a little bit of a State of the Union on the podcast maybe talk about some other things that I want to talk about. It's been a very intense week as far as America is concerned, so I'm enjoying having a few drinks, thinking about something else. It's been a great year so far, really has. I really feel like the podcast, is. we've kind of figured it out. Obviously, we're always going to be growing. We're always going to be learning, uh, but it really feels like it's become its own thing. And I really enjoy it. I'm confident in it enough to where I'm going to start maybe looking at podcast networks. I've been in, and there are talks for a couple things. Hopefully, a couple things that work out to where we can add a little bit of content, look at a little bit of a some extras, uh, maybe bring in a little bit of cash, so that we can afford to put more time and effort into this. One of the reasons why I do these episodes by myself you know, at this point in time, we make no money. And when we make no money, it's very hard for me to say, hey, Sven, Rachel, evil, won't you uh, do all these episodes with me and do all this studying and put all these hours into this and uh, give up your Fridays and uh, you get nothing in return. It's a hard thing to sell. Might be a little bit of guilt to that, you know but uh, if we were making a little bit of money, even just some break-even money, I could justify it a little bit because it is fun. In the end, we're having drinks and talking about music. Year one was a lot of just trying to figure out what the hell a podcast was, what we were supposed to do. It was all a blur of editing and learning how to edit and learning what we were. This year, it's been a little different. It's been arduous, but it's also been, you know, I've gotten to talk a lot about Michael and Janet Jackson, who I love. I've Gotten to talk some heavy stuff. I just talked about System of a Down for three weeks in a row. We've gotten to talk some hipster stuff. We've, 2005, had a lot of different stuff in it. Got to talk a lot of bass, which I loved. It's been a good year. I just think that as a group, Sven Evil, Rachel and I, I think we figured it out. I think this is a great amount. The schedule is working out pretty perfectly for all the listeners getting a little bit of what they want. Always accepting feedback, so keep sending that. The complaints have gone down this season. The positives have gone up. A lot of new listeners, which, welcome, thank you. Hope you're okay with the the solo episodes. I'm feeling a little bit better about them now that I know that people don't just completely hate them. So, hey, how are you doing? Good to see you. Let's talk about some music. Boy, just the studying and I already am running into a few albums that, you know, I think are going to end up being on our what we missed this year portion towards the end of the year. For those of you that didn't listen to season one, why not go back, check it out? Maybe not the first few episodes, but after that, hey. Some of the things we're going to do at the end of the year, we're going to go back. We're going to see what decisions we made that we thought maybe were wrong. One of the things we're going to do is try to go over a bunch of albums that we missed over the year. And I'm already catching those. Man, a lot of music has come out this year. Holy crap. And, you know, a lot of, I'm going to be honest, I don't know if it's the podcast. I don't know if it's just too much studying I don't know what it is, but getting a lot this year of, man, this album's amazing, this album's amazing, this is album of the year, and I am just not feeling it. There are a couple of really good albums this year, In the comparison of the amount that I'm hearing, man, this one's incredible, this one's incredible. I'm just not, I'm not getting it. Definitely really good music has come out so far this year, and I'm going to write off the top of my head at least one that I'm already thinking, yeah, uh, album of the year. But I can't say what that is, right? Nah, can't do that. Can't ruin the fun at the end of the year. You know what I love about the pod this year is I feel like I'm learning again. Now that I can do the things like I did with Juice World and how deep we delved into System of a Down and stuff. I'm learning so much about artists. I'm learning so many intricacies about producers. I'm just learning about music again. I haven't felt like I've been learning this much Since I was back in high school, it's a really, really good feeling. The amount of stories that I'm getting and the interviews. My God, the interviews. We had amazing guests last year. This year, I will admit that I'm punching above my weight. The things that I got to talk about with Annie and Jen, I've got another one coming up soon. I've got a couple coming up soon that are going to be awesome. It's been a good year. No burnout yet this year. Yeah, a little surprising. No burnout. It feels good. You do eventually start to figure out ways to defeat the burnout because you do feel it coming on. There are times where I'll go on a walk or I'll I'll be on my jogs in the morning. There's nothing I want to listen to. I'll be I'll start to put on an album that I'm supposed to study for. I get 30 seconds in and I want to throw my fucking phone which isn't good. That's not good. But you do start to figure out ways to get around it. You start to figure out ways to defeat the burnout. I listen to a lot of podcasts. A lot. I, I do a lot of non-music stuff. Not a lot of music podcast. I can't listen to other music podcasts. If I I tried it a couple times to try to get a gist of things. And there are certain podcasts that, where it's fine. You know, I do I do listen to songs for when If you're a regular on this, you know that uh, I will listen to songs for when fairly often. They are really great people in Em and George that I feel are, you know, pen pal friends. I don't know what you want to call it, but they're across the pond. And our content is such, we talk about different things to where there's not much threat of overlap. I, I very much worry when listening to other music podcasts, there's this feeling of if once you hear these sentences or the things that they're talking about, you no longer feel original. You no longer feel like you can talk about that anymore. So I can't do it. I also, I tried to listen to a couple of the extremely popular music podcasts and number one, there's the famous people podcast, which you're not, you know, we're never going to be that. We're never going to broken record where Rick Rubin gets to go around and, interview fucking famous. We're never going to be able to do that. So that's not really much of a <laughs> a threat or anything, but I still, I don't like to listen to that because I don't know, it kind of feels like cheating if I am going to talk about those bands, or maybe I'll just wait till we talk about those bands and uh, then listen to those. I did, I don't like doing this, but I am going to complain about one thing, but I tried to listen to a tidbit. I got about three or four of the top 20 music podcasts, which aren't, you know, it's like five and then kind of sporadic everywhere. I just can't imagine. I don't understand where it is that the super negative podcasts can do so well. It, it actually kind of ticked me off a little bit that I was listening to this and it, it's a podcast. I'm not going to say what it is and more power to them. They're shit. They have way more listeners than us. So good on them. And obviously what they're doing is working, but it was very disheartening because it was picking an album and just bashing the shit out of it. And it kind of confuses me because what I've found with our podcast is that the episodes that tend to do the best are the, the ones where we enjoy an album, you know, the ones where we all enjoy something together, Tend to be the most popular, and the ones where we at least one of us, which is usually me, bash something doesn't do as well. So it's surprising to me that there a or some podcasts out there that is based around just shitting on something. I could see where it could be a singular thing where you know you hate a specific album and you find an episode of on that podcast. Oh, let me listen to them bash on this, but. The way that I found this was because I was looking up System of a Down music and I I saw an episode of a podcast on System of a Down and I just listened to like 30 seconds and and it was just making fun of System of a Down. I just can't wrap my head. I mean, shit, someday we've got to be more popular than them, right? No? Pot calling the kettle black, probably. Anyway, that's a good rabbit hole Before we get into what are we drinking tonight? What am I drinking tonight? Well, like I said, it's been a long week. I am starting a three-day weekend here. It's Memorial Day weekend. So to all those who uh, you have lost, pour one out for them. Memorial Day is a good time to remember those that fought for our country that are no longer here. I knew a couple of them. So yeah, cheers to that. I am drinking. Uh, sorry, I'm really boring tonight. I've got uh, a bourbon and a beer. Not good style. No bourbon, no shot, no beer. Just bourbon and beer. Still got that 101 Wild Turkey that I'm drinking and then a Coors Light. Super boring, but uh, I didn't want to have to think and make a drink tonight. That's all I've got. I've got this beer here. I've got this whiskey on the rocks. While I'm talking about what am I drinking tonight, I am going to give a cheers because uh, two days ago, Andy Fletcher, Fletch, passed away. Keyboardist, synth god, uh, rock and roll hall of fame, inductee, keyboard player for Depeche Mode. We haven't talked about Depeche Mode on this. I very, very, very briefly mentioned them in the 2005 year. And then in 97, I think Barrel of a Gun was on my top songs of 97. But for how much I love Depeche Mode and how influential they were for me, I'm surprised that we haven't talked about them more. Uh, Someday we will. Not just Depeche Mode, but Fletch's, sorry, Andrew Fletcher's synth work. When you think of a band like Depeche Mode, uh, when you think of a, a British 80s dark, it's synth rock. That's what you call it. You call it synth rock. And this guy was the synth. The new wave synth pop dance, Depeche Mode is the primo selection for that. But What I'm saying is, is that he's up there. Depeche Mode is... As far as influences are up there with the Cure and craft work, it doesn't get any bigger than that. And seriously, if you listen to... Barrel of a Gun is a prime example. If you listen to Barrel of a Gun, you are not going to find better synth work than that. Or the entire Violator album, which is one of the best synth albums that's ever been made. I'm a huge Depeche Mode fan. I love them. I saw them live uh, when I was a junior i think junior senior in high school they were fantastic andy fletcher this one's for you amazing synth work amazing songwriter i would say they have three albums that we will definitely at some point talk about on this podcast so cheers to you all right we got to get to it we got to get to the great search we got to talk about these bands that i'm bringing in maybe some other bands that i already talked about that i have to bring back in it's gonna be fun We'll be right back. Welcome back. So, do you remember the first episode when we talked about Creedence Clearwater Revival and we talked about Jerry Cantrell and we talked about Cake We talked about Green Day. So, for each one of these episodes, what I'm going to do is I'm going to pick three bands and an artist. And I'm going to rank them. I'm going to rank them for A, my favorite band of all time, and for B, the best band of all time. I'm going to rank them according to an equation that I have come up with. If you want, you can go to the website to look at said equation. FirstCoursefirst.com. If you go to versecoursefirst.com and look up the search, you will see it there. Now, first thing I want to do is thank everybody that I reached out to for feedback. I had a couple things I was toying with trying to better this equation. This equation is going to be ever changing. I'm going to always be trying to fix it. I reached out to about 10 of you to get some opinions on things. And based on those opinions, I did change a couple things. I have changed Two different things on the equation this time. Very intrigued, incredibly intrigued. I hope so. Let me explain for all you newbies the gist of this equation. Essentially, I have two separate equations. I have an equation for the best bands of all time, and I have an equation for my favorite band of all time. Let's go over the best band of all time first. Now, the equation is all based around... These things, number one billboard hit songs, songs that hit number one on the billboards, songs that hit top 40 on the billboards, platinum albums, gold albums, and all of these are divided by total number of band songs. What I have also accumulated are three different times Rolling Stone's Rolling Stone magazine, Empire, whatever you want to call it, Rolling Stone, the magazine, not the band, came out with the 500 greatest songs of all time. All of that information combined makes the equation for the best band of all time. And the way that I do it, I didn't change anything for the favorite band of all time equation. I think it works great. It's very simple. But best bands of all time, I have actually changed a few things. Let me explain what those changes were. I'm going to go through the equation As I go through the equation, I'm going to explain what changes I made. So here's the equation. The first part is number one billboard hits. So songs that hit number one on the billboard charts, plus Rolling Stone greatest songs of all time, one through 250. So Rolling Stones came out with that 500 list. This is only songs one through 250. Now I changed two things within here. The first thing I changed was regarding the billboard hits. I was only counting American billboard hits. Stupid, I I don't know what it was. Quite literally about a a week, three days after I released the episode, I asked myself, why did I only count American billboards? Now, billboards are a fairly complex thing in that it was hard to find billboard numbers for other countries before uh, like the late 60s. But I was able to find them, thanks to the Beatles. Really, every band needs to thank the Beatles for the fact that uh, other countries were interested in rock. But I digress. We're going to talk about the Beatles later this year. Long story short, I had originally only counted American Billboard hits. uh, American rock, American alternative, uh, American pop. I am now counting every country's chart. Plus, the Rolling Stones' greatest songs of all time, Number one through 250. Now, here's the thing. After consideration, I think that the Rolling Stone greatest songs of all time needs to count for more. I didn't realize how rare it was going to be for these amazing artists and albums to have a song on the Rolling Stone's greatest. It is rare. You hear 500 songs and you think, oh, it's a shit ton of songs. It's really not. 500 songs over the span of 70 years. It's not a lot of songs. So where the original equation was number one billboard hits plus Rolling Stone 1 through 250, it is now number one billboard hits for all countries plus Rolling Stone 1 through 250 times two. That number times two again. Still with me? Okay, good. And then the second half of that, top 40 songs on the billboard plus... Rolling Stones, greatest songs of all time, 250 through 500 songs. That's also times two. It's pretty similar to the original equation. We're just multiplying the Rolling Stones by two, and we're adding the international billboards. All that over total number of songs. Plus, here's the other thing I added, and here's another kind of oopsie. In the original equation, I counted platinum and gold albums but what if a band goes double platinum? I completely ignored that. That's silly. It's silly to ignore an album that sells 2 million versus 1 million. I don't know why I did that. I don't know why I didn't take into consideration double platinum, triple platinum. It needs to be counted. There's a massive, massive difference between selling 1 million albums and 2 million albums. I think it's like a million different, right? Vinyl, a CD, a tape, you're going to Five, 15, 29 bucks. It's a lot, man. It's a lot. Whereas the old equation was platinum times two plus gold over 20. Now we have platinum times two plus gold plus additional platinums times 0.25. So the first platinum is worth a whole. Every additional platinum is worth a quarter of that. That's fair. I think that works. And those are all still. Over 20. That's our new equation. Number one billboards plus Rolling Stone 1 through 250 times 2, plus top 40 on the billboard, plus 250 through 500 greatest songs of all time on the Rolling Stones over total number of songs, plus platinum albums times 2, plus gold albums, plus additional platinum albums times 0.25 over 20. That is our best band of all time equation. Now, favorite band of all time equation. That has not changed at all. I have taken my personal opinion of songs. I've listened to every single song on that band's catalog. Yes, every single song on that band's catalog. Every single song. I'm dying inside, you guys. After I listen to every single song as I categorize them. So there are three categories of songs that I put them in. I put them in amazing songs, good to bad songs, and then terrible songs so the equation is as such it is amazing songs times two plus good to bad songs minus terrible songs times two over total number of songs plus vinyls of theirs that i would own over 10. much simpler equation it has served me well i think it's perfect And that's what we have. Those are our new equations. Like I said, versecourseverse.com. If you want to see the new equations, I know I'm sorry. As a podcast, it might not be the greatest venue to do this, but now we got to get to the bands. And the first question that I am sure a lot of you have, and the answer is yes, is, hey, David, what about the bands that you already did? Are you editing those? Yes, of course I am. So in the very first episode, go back and listen to it, I talked about Green Day. I talked about Creedence Clearwater Revival. I talked about Cake, and I talked about Jerry Cantrell. Fairly random, right? So why did I pick those? I'll tell you why I picked those. What I'm going to try to do on these episodes every single time is I'm going to try to pick A... A band that I think is going to go extremely high on the best band of all time. So Green Day, for example, I figured they're going to be massive. Generation after generation after generation. They've been around. People love them. Then I go with a band that I think is going to score high on my favorite of all time. Dark Horse. Not going to be anywhere near the best band of all time. I realize that. But a band that just has a soft spot. That was Cake in the first episode. And then I have a band that I am happen to be talking about a ton lately in the podcast. Uh, A band that I just find that over the last six, seven episodes or whatever, that it just always gets brought up. It happens. It happens all the time. Typically in the podcast, I correlate years with specific albums and try to blend them in with each other. And then sometimes it's just a subconscious thing where you just end up talking about the same person over and over and over. In the first episode, that was Creedence Clearwater Revival. We talked about them a ton in the first season because we did 1969. Uh, We talked about Woodstock. I don't remember why else I talked about Creedence, but I I talked about Creedence a lot. And then an artist, just an artist. And in the first episode, I chose Jerry Cantrell. I chose Jerry Cantrell because he had just came out with a, a new album. And I don't know why maybe it's kind of fucked up, but I knew he was going to score really low on the best of all time. But I just wanted to give it a shot. He was the first one that came to mind. Like I said, he had just come out with an album. I thought, why not? Their scores have changed. I will let you know how they have changed. Let's go over the best band of all time. In the first episode, bringing up the rear, we had Jerry Cantrell at a point one six seven. Then we had Cake, at a 0.461 then we had credence at a 0.875 and then we had green day at a 0.982 i think those scores are great i have no arguments with them but i still thought that there were things that could have been better and with the new equations here's what we have for best band jerry cantrell is still at a 0.167 no change there Cake is at a 0.420, so actually a little bit lower. Credence, we are at a 1.301, so a lot higher. I'll tell you what happened with Credence. They had a couple songs on the top 250 greatest songs of all time for Rolling Stones, and they had a lot of top 40s, a lot. And then we have Green Day at a 1.345, so not that much higher than Credence. And I'll tell you, it's because of their greatest songs of all time. I think CCR had four and Green Day had one, which I think is a big deal. Also remember, it's compared to amount of songs released, and Credence released a lot fewer songs. That's what we have there. 0.167 for Jerry, 0.420 for Cake, 1.30 one for Credence and 1.345 for Green Day. Now, favorite band of all time, exactly the same. So we've got 1.089 for Green Day, 1.353 for Jerry Cantrell, 1.556 for Credence and 1.754 for Cake. So those are our favorites and those are our bests. We gotta get into what I studied for this week, right? Finally. So let's take a break and then we'll do that. We'll be right back. Let's figure out who the fuck I talked about. (sighs) We are back. I am back. Feeling good. Having fun. Still feels weird being on my own here, but that's okay. Shout out to evil rachel Sven, honest honestly really really happy right now with where the podcast is at with them they're so awesome and i really do hope this keeps going i've got a couple of things in the works i hope it pans out because honestly they deserve it they've been fantastic I'm not sure if you can tell from this podcast, but I can probably be a little bit difficult to work with at times. I couldn't ask for better people to work with. Very lucky. I don't know where that came from. I, you know what? I do know where that came from. You know where that came from? It came from me being on my third bourbon. That's where that came from. Let's get into the bands. You, you, DL, shut the fuck up and start talking about what I care about, right? Let's start... Up at the front, the band that I thought was going to do uh, very, very well on the best band of all time. They've been around a long time. We've talked about them a shit ton, and that's also another thing that I'm going to try to do a little more now. Is I am going to try to have bands and artists in this episode that we've already talked about a ton in the podcast, so I'm not giving any spoilers or anything because it sucks. When we have a band that I haven't talked about yet because I can't tell you how I feel about this song or this song or why I chose this with the one we've talked about I am sure the most, you know who I'm gonna say. Well, Foo of the Fighters, I'm Christopher Walken. You say that again with Dave Grohl, Foo Fighters. It's the Foo Fighters? Man, do I know their catalog really well. I know their story well. Uh, Rest in peace, Taylor Hawkins. We've talked about them a lot, justifiably so. They remind me a lot of Green Day. They've been around for generations, and multiple generations just love them. I personally think they are much more lovable than Green Day. If you actually think back to the last twenty years, Foo Fighters stayed way more relevant. Green Day would it disappeared for very long periods of time, and even now, it's not like they come out with a bunch. You look at Foo Fighters came Medicine at Midnight, Concrete and Gold. Green Day doesn't just keep coming out with shit. They tour. Anyway, I digress. Foo Fighters is who I picked. Now, what about the band that is my favorite, that I don't necessarily think is going to score highly in best of all time? And this is a band that I don't... I'm not sure I have... Oh, I have mentioned them. I mentioned them on the bass episode, because there's upright bass. There's the double bass, which makes it this super fucking cool, funky hip-hop thing. They are a massively underrated band that has come out with only three albums. All three are uncannily amazing. Anybody that knows them loves them, and that is soul coughing. You know, in the last episode, I picked Cake. I would akin them a lot to Cake. They are amazing songwriters. They are different. They are kind of their own thing. You cannot put soul coughing in a genre. You put on Ruby Vroom. Definitely not one of their vinyls, because Soul Coughing vinyl is fucking impossible to find for anything less than like 300 bucks. I actually, I have a buddy that we don't really do it anymore, to be honest, but back in Boise. You know, you you just get out of touch. You don't really talk to people anymore. But anytime that one of us would be listening to Soul Coughing, we would just text each other one of their lyrics Because Soul Coughing has the coolest fucking lyrics. It was fun to every five, six months or whatever, you just get some random Soul Coughing lyric. Anyway, Soul Coughing. Okay, now we get to an artist that we've been talking about a ton on the podcast. For the first half of the podcast, season two, yeah, we've talked about him a lot. It's just a guy. So you could say, hey, this is an artist. But I honestly consider him more of a band. And I think that the big fans of this person would know why I would think of him that way. And that's Peter Gabriel. When I think Peter Gabriel, I don't think of just Peter Gabriel. I think of him surrounded by amazing musicians doing great things with Tony Levin's, And it just, I mean, his band has been consistent. It's been incredible. It's like a Dave Matthews band thing. They've been together forever. And we've talked about him in at least half, the episodes of this year. Personally, I would think he would be pretty much even keel on both of them. Probably halfway mark for favorite of mine and best. And then the last one, which was unintentional. I don't know why I didn't think it through, but I should have, and I'll explain what I'm talking about later on. But for the artist, it's an artist that we've talked about a lot this year because of Sven, because it's Sven just loves so much. And really wanted to talk about which why not? We're a music podcast. We have to talk about the king of pop, and that's Michael Jackson. Michael Jackson is the artist that I decided that I wanted to do. So here we are with Michael Jackson, the Foo Fighters, Peter Gabriel, and Soul Coughing. Let's start with the Foo Fighters. Let's go through their stats. We all know the Foo Fighters, but let's go through what they're about you know what they're about? They're about 17 number one Billboard songs. 17. That's a lot, right? You know what's a lot? Is there 42 top 40 songs. 42. That's over three albums worth of music. That's insane. That's so many. What surprises me about Foo Fighters, no Rolling Stone greatest songs of all time between one and 250. I do have one greatest song of all time, and that is in the 250 through 500 mark that's ever long. That kind of surprised me. I really thought they'd have at least one. Rolling Stone, really? You're not going to put Monkey Wrench in there? Here's where Foo Fighters kills it. They have four albums that have hit platinum. Concrete and Gold, Sonic Highways, Color in the Shape, and Foo Fighters. They have three albums that have hit double platinum. Nothing Left to Lose, Echo Silence, and Wasting Light. They have one album that has hit triple platinum. That is One by One, which hit triple platinum in uh, Britain, UK and then they have one that hit quadruple platinum. In Your Honor hit quadruple platinum in New Zealand. How about those numbers? There's one there that really surprises me. It surprises all of you, right? If I were to tell you that Foo Fighters had four platinum albums, a double platinum, a triple platinum, and a quadruple platinum, which one would you tell me was quadruple? I would have said Color in the Shape. I am shocked that Color in the Shape is just one-time platinum. I can't believe that. That's their platinums. No golds because everything is platinum. I mean, that is one, is one, two, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. That is nine albums that have hit at least platinum. Nine albums that have sold a million copies. Good job, Dave Grohl. Look, I'm going to talk about it at the end of the year. One of my takes at the end of the year last year was that I needed a Grohl break. Too much growl. My thoughts at that time were the medicine at midnight was, you know, know, (laughs) my thoughts have changed on that. All thanks to Sven, the movie that was going to come out. He came out with a book. He came out with the DGs. But you know what happened? I'll tell you what happened. What happened was Dave Grohl went on Hot Ones. I saw Dave Grohl on Hot Ones, and it changed me. I'm telling you, I saw him do that, and I realized that I was being way too hard on musicians in general. If you have not seen the Hot Ones, you all know what Hot Ones is. It's this interview show where they have the person on the interview eat progressively hotter chicken wings while asking them questions. It catches them off guard. They just answer quick. And honestly, it's just a brilliant idea for a show. It's been on for years and years now, but Dave Grohl did it. And two things. Number one, he reminds me of me. That's not a cocky thing. The reason that I say that is I feel like anybody would think that watching that. He was this little kid taking shots, telling the interviewee to take shots, getting pumped, dancing around, so excited he was there. I honestly felt at that point in time, if I could find a way to get a hold of Dave Grohl, he would come on this podcast and have a bunch of drinks with me and just talk fucking music. I re-fell in love with Dave Grohl. Because of Hot Ones. I, <laughs> I'm i sorry. When I started this thought, I said I had two things about the Hot Ones conversation. I don't remember what the second one was. I think I was going to try to blend them together. It doesn't matter. Real long rabble hole. Sorry about that. The last thing that I would need to cover is vinyls I would buy. And actually, you know what? I am pretty sure that uh, Foo Fighters holds the record for the amount of vinyls I own. I think they... No, no it's Beatles. It's definitely Beatles. I own Concrete and Gold. I own Medicine at Midnight, Wasting Light, Color and the Shape, One by One. I own five. Those are the five that I would count. So, and just for reference, it's actively go buy. Go to Discogs, pay 30 bucks for it. Not, hey, if I find Echoes, Silence, Patience, and Grace in the bin, I'll buy it. No, Uh, actively go buy. And I already own all the Foo Fighters. I would actively go buy five is great and so with the 17 number one songs, the 42 top 40 songs everlong being 400 and I think 27th or something like that uh, on the 500 Rolling Stones, the four platinum albums, the three double platinums, the triple platinum, the quadruple album, that brings the Foo Fighters best band of all time number two 1.6. Five, nine. And I will give uh, all the tallies and totals towards the end. Favorite as far as Foo Fighters is concerned 123 total songs. For those of you that uh, did not listen to the first one, I go off of studio albums only. No live albums, just studio albums. Covers count as half a song. And then the only other thing that would count, specialty compilations or soundtracks. So for example, Foo Fighters had a song that they wrote specifically for the Godzilla soundtrack. Very underrated soundtrack, by the way. Godzilla, was a f- that was a fantastic soundtrack. Matthew Broderick, Godzilla, right? That was Matthew Broderick, wasn't it? Ooh, I hope so. Studio album, soundtrack, bleep, blop. Total number of songs, 123. I have Foo Fighters down as having 100 good to bad songs, 18 amazing songs, and five terrible songs. Some of these are averages. Some of these are because I will listen to an album that the last five tracks are just so meh that I have to give it one terrible. But yeah, 18 amazing songs. Foo Fighters, man. A lot of good songs. Monkey Ranch. Ever long. I wish Darling Nikki counted, but that's a cover. Their cover of Darling Nikki is so good. The Pretender with the first song off a one by one. I think it's one by one, right? <laughs> Ignore me. I've had a lot to drink. 18 amazing songs times two plus the good to bad songs minus the terrible songs times two over total number of songs plus. Vinyls I would buy, which we talked about, there's five over 10. And as far as favorites are concerned, Foo Fighters clocks in at a 1.524. And there we go. That's Foo Fighters. Let's go to Soul Coughing. A man flies a plane into the Chrysler building. That was written well before 9 11, by the way. So don't get any bad ideas about Soul Coughing. Seriously, an incredible band, but this is going to be very simple. As far as best band of all time is concerned, well, this isn't going to take long. They have no number one songs. They have no greatest songs on the Rolling Stones 1 through 500. None of them. They have nothing that reached platinum or gold. They did have three top 40 songs. Shocked the shit out of me. I thought they had one. They have three. Super Bon Bon, Soundtrack to Mary, and Circles. Three incredible songs. But shocked am I that those all hit top 40. And then vinyls I would buy. They have three albums. I would buy all three of them. They are on my Discog's want list. The problem is they are all very hard to find, very expensive, soul coughing. Fucking reprint your vinyls. What are you waiting for? Come on. It's actually not them. I'm sure it's their record label, Epic. Epic so epic you want to i think Epic's. sorry sorry this is off the top of my head i hope the record label is epic if i'm wrong sue me as far as that equation you can see all the zeros and everything i'm not sure if you know much about equations but zeros are bad so as far as best bands of all time soul coughing is incredibly low soul coughing equals on the best band numbers 0. 0.075 very low but you know what you know what matters not best band of all time but my favorite band of all time this is the verse chorus universe motherfucker and dl is important here i get to say that hey somebody stop me from saying it right now go ahead I'm waiting somebody oh it's not happening hmm, weird okay so amazing songs by soul coughing according to me 12 some of you soul coughing fans might hear that and think 12 fuck you buddy it's more than that but when i say amazing i mean amazing you could listen to all day good to bad 26 and here's what's going to help them terrible songs by soul coughing two they are unique they are uh, a little weird but they only had two songs that i really thought were yeah you know maybe not so much and that's out of 40 songs 12 amazing songs out of 40 that's really good Soul coughing because of the 12 amazing songs, only two terrible songs, and then the three albums that I would buy, which is divided by 10... In the favorite category, Soul Coughing gets a 1.450. Let's go to Peter Gabriel. Man, I love Peter Gabriel. You guys love Peter Gabriel, right? Some of you have got to love Peter Gabriel. You better love Peter Gabriel. We've done a lot of Peter. Rachel, Evil, and I did an episode on So, which I gave a 10 out of 10. So that should tell you a little bit about how much I enjoy Peter Let's get into him. He has five number one songs. Well, I guess that's not that surprising to me I say it like it's surprising, but Shock the Monkey, Sledgehammer. Shout out, Rachel. Favorite song for her. In Your Eyes. I mean, here's the thing, Rachel. I get... Peter Gabriel's not your bag. Different strokes for different folks. But if you don't like In Your Eyes, I quit. Look, Rachel just got engaged. She's was just a great guy. I'm taking full credit, by the way, her IT person for this podcast. If it wasn't for me making sure that he had to... She forces so much IT work on him. I'm just going to say to Trevor, just be careful, all right? She's not a big fan of In Your Eyes. Digging in the dirt and steam, which... My God, if if you have not heard Steam Live by Peter Gabriel, fuck. Go check it out. Top 40 hits, 21. He has had 21 top 40 hits. Good for you, PG. Love it. He has had no greatest songs on the top 1 through 250 of Rolling Stones, which surprises me. I figured he'd have one kind of mad at that but it's rolling stones so i'm not gonna let it get to me he does have a hit on uh, 250 through 500 which is number 472 salisbury hill off of his very first album amazing song love the cover of that album as far as albums are concerned not as impressive as i had thought no actually you know what i take that back this actually completely makes sense he has three gold albums He has two platinum albums. He has one double platinum album. He has one triple platinum album. And then he has a five-time platinum album in So, which we've already talked about this year. Five-time. That's a lot. So, going off of all those numbers, going off of Salisbury Hill, all the platinums, the golds, the 21 top 40s, the five number one songs, as far as the best band of all time, he clocks in at a 1.099. Now let's get to the favorite. He has a total of 92 songs, four of which I would call terrible, 55 of which I would call good to bad, and 13, 13 out of 92. Amazing. That's really good. But here's the big one for PG. Seven of his albums I would actively search for. We have So, we have Us, we have his live album, which... Y'all know me, if I'm searching out a live album, that's a big deal. And then his first four, Peter Gabriel's first four albums, they're segmented albums. They are kind of like a chaptered albums, Chaptered one, two, three, and four. I honestly want all of them. I'm not saying it's because they're all completely brilliant. His first album is completely brilliant. And then I think it's his third one, too. The bottom line is, is there are songs on all four of those that I have to have on vinyl. I only own a couple of his albums, but yeah, I would seven of his albums. So as far as the favorite bands of all time, Peter Gabriel clocks in at a 1.493. One more left. Who do we got? We got Michael Jackson. Now, disclaimer, big, giant disclaimer, apology or not apology. I kind of like this. I feel like it's a getting it out of the way thing. I didn't think about it enough. When I first picked it, I thought, hey, we've been talking about it a lot. Let's get it out of the way. He has a few albums. He's going to mark super high on the bests, but we're going to have to do them at some point. What just didn't calculate in my head when I first thought about it was just... How big he was gonna score. His numbers are astronomical. I don't know. Some people may be upset by how he's going to beat the shit out of everybody. I personally like it, I feel like it's getting out of the way. It'll be interesting to see if one or two specific bands or artists could surpass this. But for now, I kind of like the, look, we have this one artist skyrocketed into the league, and then everybody else is taking second place for now. I'm okay with it. I'm not going to read all of Michael Jackson's top 40 songs, I am going to read all of his number one songs and I apologize it's going to take me a while. When you have this many number one songs, props where props is due. Ben, a brand new day, don't stop till you get enough, rock with you. The girl is mine. Oh goddamn fuck that song. Billie Jean, beat it, want to be starting something, thriller, I just can't stop loving you, bad, the way you make me feel, man in the mirror, dirty diana, smooth criminal. Leave me alone. Black or white. Remember the time. Jam. Heal the world. Give in to me. Scream. Michael and Janet. Goddamn. Scream, baby. You are not alone. Earth song. They don't care about us. Stranger in Moscow. Blood on the dance floor. You rock my world. That's, uh... It's a lot of number ones, 22 top 40s. He has two songs, top one through 250 of the Rolling Stones' greatest songs of all times. Can you guess them? I'm going to give you a second. Tick tock, tick tock. At number 185, we have Beat It. And then number 44, so we're talking top 50, motherfucker, Billie Jean. I'm not going to argue that. I can see it. And then 250 through 500, he has one on there. I actually really love that this one's on there too. Number 354 is Rock With You. Old school, Michael. Let's get into his gold and platinum albums. Unfortunately, he doesn't have any gold albums. I guess he just wasn't popular enough. Oh, but good news. He had some platinum albums. Invincible, that went double platinum. He has History, that went diamond. Diamond is 10 million. He went diamond in New Zealand. Dangerous, that went diamond in Australia. Bad, that went diamond plus one more million platinum. Thriller, that went triple diamond, 30 mil plus another four platinum. So 34 mil. Thriller, (laughs) platinum 34 times. And then off the wall, you only went nine times platinum. You didn't even get a diamond. You fucking loser. Yeah, those are his numbers. So you can imagine how the math works. His numbers for best band of all time come out to a 2.588. And then we have Favorite. Total number of songs, we only have 80. He didn't have as many as you think. 14 amazing songs, 6 terrible songs. He About once an album, he'd come out with a lot of not-so-great stuff. And then also, his first few albums were all covers. I think his first 3 albums or something like that were like 10 songs each, but all covers. You know, they count as like 15 songs. 60 good-to-bad songs, and then 14 amazing songs. As far as vinyls that I would own... I would own off-the-wall, bad, dangerous, Thriller. I'm not going to say which one's my favorite. Maybe we've talked about it. Maybe we haven't. We did go in-depth on Thriller. With those numbers included, as far as favorites are concerned, Michael Jackson hits a 1.350. Those are all the numbers. Do you know what's what? Do you know who's who? Let's start with best bands of all time. Not a lot of surprises here. And looking at the numbers, honestly, it makes complete sense. I'm very happy with the equations, much more so than I was. I am still maybe going to try to make changes. I might message and email some of you next time to try to get a a little more alternated. But for now, I'm actually really happy with these. So we have eight right now. Clocking in at number eight, we have soul coughing. my poor little boy's at a .075. Next, we have Jerry Cantrell, my poor guitarist for one of my favorite bands of all time, at a .167. Next, we have Cake. They did not go the distance. They're now all alone in their time of need, at a .420. Rachel's Peter Gabriel, at a 1.099, praying to a big God and kneeling in a big church. Fourth place, we have Credence, at a 1.301. Number three for best band of all time. We have Green Day at 1.345. Number two, we have Foo Fighters at a 1.659. And of course, number one with a bullet. A 2.588 for Michael Jackson. Almost one whole point of everybody else. And honestly, I'm not arguing that. I'm happy with those numbers. But let's go to favorites. This one, you know... I'm not sure I may need to change the equation. My instinct is that I want to change the equation, but then every time I look at this and I start trying to justify changing it, I tend to look at myself and say, nope, you know what? I can fucking see that. This actually makes sense. My eighth place, my last place is Green Day at a 1.089. Just so much of their music I don't like. When a band makes fucking 12 albums and you really love two of them, it's not going to go well. Next up is Jerry Cantrell. Only a few albums. Very meh up next is michael jackson i enjoy half of his discography and that's about it this is where it gets a little sticky for me but like i said i can see it up next is soul coughing at a 1.450 maybe just not enough stuff maybe a little too much just okay stuff not amazing my fourth place band is peter gabriel when i stop and think i have a little bit of a hard time with the fact that third is foo fighters. I have a hard time seeing foo fighters ahead of peter gabriel and soul coughing. I think that's my biggest problem. But then I stop and think of all the albums that I love of foo fighters. Over the last 2 years I've realized I think all my life <laughs> Holy shit, I got to take a drink for that. I just realized that song I was talking about earlier. It's all my life. <laughs> Foo Fighters, they've just been such a constant that I look past them. But then I think about their albums. I think about Concrete and Gold. I think about Wasting Light. I think about the color and the shape. When the color and the shape is my you know, fourth favorite album or whatever, fantastic band. So you know what? I like it, I'm not arguing it. Here's the crazy one. Number two, Creedence Clearwater Revival at a 1.556. Whoa, that's crazy. I don't know what to make of that. Pretty much all their vinyls that I would own. The fact that I think the biggest factor that works for CCR is terrible songs. Creedence Clearwater Revival has no terrible songs, mixed with the fact that they have a very, very small discography. So no terrible songs over a very small amount of total songs. That is really going to work for your benefit in this equation. It's the weirdest thing because I still, to this day, I own zero Credence finals. But you know what? If Credence comes on, I sure as shit ain't turning that off. And then so far, my number one favorite is Cake at a 1.754. I'm not going to argue that. I think that's good. I'm a little surprised. The one thing that's unsettling to me is how much lower soul coughing is than Cake. But I also, I get it. As far as amazing songs, Cake has so many. And you know what? I'm going to end it there. So as of right now, the best band slash artist of all time is Michael Jackson. Number two is Foo Fighters. Number three is Green Day. And number four is CCR. Would you argue that? Good luck. And then favorites. Cake, followed by CCR, followed by Foo Fighters, followed by Peter Gabriel. I want to argue it, but I can't. And that was the whole point of doing this thing, is really trying to get out of my own biasnessness. who my favorite is. I am very happy with this. I am extremely happy with the new equation, versechorusverse.com, at verse, chorus, verse, pod. Let me know, do you disagree? Is this ridiculous? How stupid am I for rating these as they are, as you do? as you will and as you like it shout out shakespeare i have had one too many bourbons i'm gonna call it a night i love you all you're the best join us next week we're doing one of my favorite episodes mr tony himself is coming on. He's joining us for a listener-supported episode. That's right. We have a listener on to talk about one of his favorite albums of all time. And You know what? I'm just going to surrender to it. It might be a little weird, but I'm surrendering to it. I hope you're well. Good night and good luck.